Seahawks fans wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfred, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers in our midweek show here to talk about the Seahawks and um, the upcoming game to, to finish the year, as well as the matchup between the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. Uh, Seattle needs to take care of business uh, to to have a chance to get into the playoffs, but we also need a little bit of help. Need those Lions to defeat the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots to talk about. We've also got some uh, some injury news and updates and so forth. And I know that we definitely wanted to spend uh, a bit of time talking about Demar Hamlin as well. Welcome, yeah. In, I think we definitely should um, should start there. I mean. Uh, uh, I don't think we're reporting anything to anyone out there. I'm sure you have heard and or seen what happened on Monday Night Football. Um, and the fact that they canceled the game, technically they suspended it um, first temporarily and then indefinitely. And now it looks like they're not going to play it at all, um, which is the right thing to do. I mean, you had these guys just watch their teammate have to get CPR. Um, Including the, arrest the yeah, field. including the use of a UAD um, to restart his heart. And you want them to go out and play football after that? Um, yeah, these guys are gladiators, but man, you le- that, you're looking at, at your mortality uh, right straight in the face just because he's one of them. He's one of the, one of the younger of them. Um, and that's just downright scary. I don't know how that team goes out and plays a game this weekend against new England without having heard that their friend is like awake, conscious. Okay. Um, you know, they're not focusing on football right now. They're not installing game plans um, or any of that stuff, which they should be doing if they're going to play a game. Yeah. Uh, we're recording Wednesday. Uh, afternoon, and um, as of as of the recording, he's still in the hospital in critical condition in the ICU unit, uh, receiving oxygen. Understand, he's made um, some improvements overnight and into today regarding his oxygen levels and so forth. Some other, other vital signs, uh, family members indicate that he's made some improvements and, and so forth, but we really don't know. Um, I don't know exactly what the Buffalo Bills know, probably not too much more than that um, as well. Um, and you're right. It's, it's hard to focus would be almost impossible, um, for almost everyone. And, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully within the next 24 hours, 48 hours, they do get some indication of where he's at. Otherwise this game would be very, very difficult to, uh, to play, uh, as you said, um, and prepare for not only for the, the bills, but for new England as well. It'd just be, it'd be hard, uh, knowing that they're going to go uh, play a team that's just not ready, not mentally, not physically, just out of out of sorts, out of wax. Um, I'm sure their thoughts are with uh, Demar Hamlin as well, uh, as as well as the rest of the league. 
you know, everyone has, has kind of come out and uh, said their piece. Uh, this is the first time we've recorded since that happened. I uh, actually watched Monday Night Football live when it was happening, kind of texted you. I was like, dude, you got you to gotta see this. This is not good. Yeah, because uh, it was it was early first quarter. I'd you know made my kids dinner. Like we were sitting down. I figured I'd go in, turn the game on. It's you know not a game that matters for Seattle. So I figured I'd watch the last three quarters, and that would be good enough. And you texted me, and I'm like, I got to go look at this. And then it, it's like getting hit with a bus. Just start thinking about mm. uh, everything that's going on and everything these that you're <clears throat> seeing. And oh, and it's, it wasn't it wasn't even about football. You no, thinking no, about not at your all. kids, thinking about, uh, you know, other, other people in your life that, that are important to you, all that kind of stuff kind of comes into, into mind there. Everything else regarding football was secondary. I thought the reactions live, you know, on ESPN was, uh, was really within what they needed to be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, it's really hard to have an instant reaction like that, especially when you don't know what's happening uh, on the field uh, for, for certain and you're just kind of then speculating what you don't want to do in this sort of situation. So I thought they handled it uh, well. Obviously, the league made a decision ultimately to suspend that game, which was the only decision that they could make. Mm -hmm. uh, the only surprising thing was it, it didn't come a little earlier in the evening. But, you know, all things considered, uh, having this be something that was unprecedented, um, I thought that, that it, it, it was handled appropriately. And... You know, thoughts and prayers to Demar Hamlin uh, for for a recovery here. Um, chances um, when this happened did not look good at all. Uh, it's just one of those fluke things where the hit to the chest on a seemingly routine play uh, caused his heart to stop, and and um, so they got it going there on the field and and transported him to a hospital. He's been there since, and it's it's just a tough deal. But you know. <laughs> getting back to this podcast and the show and talking about football, listen, this, this is what we do. We talk about football and so forth, but I thought it was definitely appropriate for you and I to take a few minutes to just talk about this and, and how it relates to just humanity and, and going past football and doing the right thing and, and, um, and uh, give him our outpouring, outpouring of support and thoughts um, just like everyone else around the league is. Um, I was thinking about this the uh, the next morning, and what came to mind was a few years ago in Seattle with Ricardo Lockett. Um, you know, yeah, that for, was scary. Um, guy that's kind of buried down on the depth chart a little bit as a wide receiver, great special teams player. Um, hurts his neck in a game, has to get carted off. Found out we found out later that he'd torn the muscles and ligaments in his neck to the point where there was no stability. And if they had moved him wrong, it would have hurt his spine and he would have been paralyzed or died. Um, it, like it was literally life threatening for him um, at that point. And you know, the, the EMTs did right by him. The doctors did right by him. Uh, it doesn't matter that he never played football again. He gets to, have a normal life with his family and that's yeah. what mattered and um football doesn't matter like those other things like it made me think of that just be simply because how close was he from this being a massive tragedy uh not 
forget that it affected his football career, but that it affected his the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the, this Hamlin situation, it's, you know, it's in the same realm. I mean, at this point, we don't know how this is going to end. It looks like it's going to, things are going to trend upward and he's going to make some, some sort of a recovery, but we don't know. And yeah. it's just scary. We got to remember that these people out there, they're not robots. These are humans. They're people's kids. They have their parents, their um, friends, their cousins, their uncles, they're, they're human beings. And we forget that sometimes with all of the X's and O's and strategy and, and salary cap ramifications and stuff that we do. And we talk about, and, and we think about with these games, um, but the human side of it, you know, sometimes we need that reminder and that's, that's what this was. You know, this is an entertainment business and entertainment industry. And that's, you know, first and foremost, what the business is, that's the, the business of football. Uh, but, but the business of football is, um, made up of, of people and, um, you know, that's, and this is one of those moments where, uh, the person, uh, takes precedence over the business and it, as it should, um, inherently football is, um, it, it is a violent sport. Um, and I've, I've thought about that a lot, you know, not just in this instance, but over the course of my life, I was. I played football at one point and ended up having not to play football again because of a, a, a hit to the spine when I was in high school. And um, it just reminds you that uh, it can it can end at any time, um, whether it's an injury that takes you out or something worse. And, um, you know, normally in these circumstances, um, not in this particular situation, but normally people, uh, players get injured all the time. It's a, it's a part of this, uh, sport, uh, whether it's an ACL injury or a sprained thumb. And, um, so these, these players do go out and, and put it all on the line all the time. That's why you hear about uh, guarantees and, and contract talks and so forth. So, um, but I don't want to harp on that too much anymore. Um, I just want everyone to know that we're, we're thinking about Demar Hamlin and, um, it, it affects us, and I know that it affects everyone that's listening. And um, so I thought we'd just spend a little bit of time talking about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that won't be the last time either. Um, yeah. It's just one of those things. So uh, today, um, beyond this little conversation, we were going to get together in this midweek show. Um, everyone knows that the Seahawks are playing this week, need to defeat the Rams at home on Sunday. But there's another game that happens that directly affects what happens with Seattle. Seattle needs to win that game against the Rams to have any chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once they win that game, there's another game. Um, and, and the league happened to schedule that game, reschedule that game for a Sunday night game uh, yeah. after Seattle plays, which is an inherent uh, disadvantage uh, to the Seahawks. Um, which, and it's also a violation of their own scheduling protocols. That right. That game should not have been flexed. I get why they did it from a money standpoint, because that's the best game of the weekend in terms of uh, playoff implications. It's a win in your end game. Uh, a lot of people are going to be interested. Plus you've got, you know, uh, the Detroit lions that have been the doormats of the NFL forever that are finally on the upswing and finally looking like they're going to turn this into being a good team. 
and you know green bay's a blue blood right and the two it's a win and you're in for either team maybe um and, and that's why they would flex it but they have their own scheduling protocols in place on purpose because if seattle wins their game against the rams the lions lose all incentive in their game in the evening the game doesn't matter to them anymore because they're not making the playoffs if seattle wins they've eliminated detroit before detroit even kicks off um and that just you know you re- remove that that uh, that fight that fire from them makes it easy and, for green and, bay and that's why these these games are scheduled the way that they're scheduled normally now normally. uh dan campbell's come out and said hey listen uh, i understand why they why they flex this thing um it doesn't matter to us no matter what happens in the earlier game we're going to come out and we want to beat these guys for two reasons a i want my team to to start to get used to playing in big games and i want to beat the green bay packers um and and essentially the the team has said just as much as well so um i'm hoping that he's a motivating factor in in that respect and he can get his team ready to play no matter what the outcome of the Rams Seahawks game is obviously if the Seahawks win um and then you know I don't know exactly what's going on here why they scheduled it this way uh they should have scheduled that for the same time as the Seahawks Rams game or had the Rams and Seahawks flexed as well and played Sunday night uh, so both teams we're fighting at the same time for the same, mm-hmm. uh, same deal. Uh, with that said, whatever, uh, it's a game. We're, we got to go take care of our business and then we got, it's out of our hands. You know, yes. and the Seahawks played into that situation where all they needed is one more game throughout the entire season and they didn't make it happen. They've gotten this far, but they're dependent on somebody else to get into the playoffs and that's on them. Hopefully they can learn from that in the future. Maybe they can get in this time. It doesn't matter if they don't. They'll be thinking about that into next season. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at the the number of games the Seahawks have lost to bad teams, right? They lost to Carolina. They lost to Atlanta. Um, they lost to I the guess. Raiders, mm-hmm. um, right? They This should not be a situation right now where they need help. If you win any one of those games... Then that get then the the Detroit Green Bay game doesn't matter. You take care of your own business, you're in. That's it. Right. Yeah. Um, but they didn't take care of their own business earlier in the year, and now this is where they're at. If they end up not making the playoffs, they've only got themselves to blame. Um, that being said, this is supposed to be the rebuilding year. This is supposed to be the year where this team bottoms out at five wins and starts rebuilding. Um because they just traded away their quarterback. They traded away their hall of fame linebacker. They, they kind of tore this team down to rebuild it. And they're fighting for a playoff spot anyway. Um, this says so much about Pete Carroll. Uh, it, it really does that in the down year, in the year where they, they jettison a ton of talent, they're still right there fighting for a playoff spot in the last week of the season. And now, here's a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football, and it comes down to the national championship game happening on Monday. 
My go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Who do you like in this game, Georgia or TCU? Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for bigger payouts with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TPPN. New customers bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, that's and you incredible. can say that, you A, I completely agree with you on Pete Carroll. B, uh, Geno Smith. Uh, it's a testament to Geno Smith and his story. I mean, the kid, I don't know how to call him a kid. He's 32 years old, um, has, has thrown for over 4,000 yards and 29 touchdowns. I mean, yeah. if I would have told you, and, and with a 70% completion percentage, if I would have told you that at the beginning of the year, you would have called me insane that that, mm-hmm. that those numbers were um, available to Geno Smith this year. So um, we're, we were looking at the this um, uh, Green Bay-Detroit game. Jared Goff, of all people, has also thrown for over 4,000 yards. Which is remarkable. And has 29 touchdowns. <laughs> and he has two fewer interceptions yeah. than He's having a great Geno year. Smith. Having yeah. a great year. Um, you know, you and I have, have said a lot of things about Jared Goff because we watched him play you know, this entire career because um, he was with the Rams. And um, how limited their offense was with him in there and everything he is having a phenomenal year. Yeah. And I think because it's Jared Goff, nobody's giving him credit for it. Uh, yeah. He's I was his... honestly, I wasn't giving him credit for it until I started looking at, at these stats and I was like, okay, this is way better than I ever would have expected. And we need to give him some credit. He's having a great year. Yeah. Not only that, he, this is, he's leading one of the best offenses in the entire NFL. He's mm-hmm. leading that team to 28.9 uh, points per game. Uh, this past nine weeks during that stretch, he's completed um, 65.8% of his passes, tossed 17 touchdowns against just one interception during this stretch, uh, the seven and two stretch. Uh, their running game is legit. Jamal Williams had 144 yards rushing and a touchdown against the Bears. DeAndre Swift had 78 yards on the ground, 38 yards in the air. Um, Jamison Williams is coming along. Uh, had a 40-yard uh, run and catch combo after returning from the ACL he received in that national title game last year. Um, Amon St. St. Brown, uh, Ross St. Brown, uh, mm-hmm. had a hundred has a hundred pass catches this year and 1,112 yards on the he's season. Missed, he's missed a couple of games because of injury too. Yeah, this isn't like you know. I mean, he he's had some time where he wasn't playing and he still put up those numbers. And their defense, you know, Detroit's defense never gets any mention. And quite frankly, they played like crap for the first 10 weeks in the season. But but the last six games, those guys are um, fifth time in nine games have held opponents to 20 or fewer points. Um, it, it's it's remarkable. I mean, the turnaround is, is just remarkable. So I got to hand us to Detroit. I think that this game is a lot closer than people realize. Uh Green Bay, conversely, has also been playing better. 
Um, they've won four in a row. Their defense has been um, been playing better. They've forced 12 turnovers in the last four games during this win streak. Um, the Seahawks have only had a couple, you know, just just as a comparison. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. I you know I think that um, the the big factor here is outdoors at Lambeau, but I just checked the weather and it's supposed to be 33 degrees on Sunday. Um, they're playing a night game, so it's uh, but the low is only supposed to be down to 23. So it's going to be somewhere in the middle, you know, by kickoff and and um, throughout the game. Light winds, clear clear to partly cloudy skies. So weather should not be a factor. Is basically what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'll it'll be it'll be interesting, Keith. I mean, but Seattle's going to go take care of business first. You know, it's hard to talk about this game and not mention the Seahawks just got to go win theirs. Uh, but that's that's what needs to happen. A uh, couple things uh, while I'm thinking about it. Uh, Jordan Brooks, we knew that he injured his knee. It was confirmed, had the ACL. It's going to have surgery. Team placed him on IR. Tyler Mabry was signed to the 53-man roster as a roster replacement. Um, so they've got four tight ends on the roster, which is kind of interesting, bizarre. But they're, you know, they're going to run 13 personnel quite a bit. They ran 13 personnel in this last game, which is three tight ends on the field. Um, I imagine that's going to be an important strategy going forward, considering teams were, were starting to, to shut down the wide receivers. Um, and this gives them a little bit more options uh, to be able to run the ball effectively as well with two tight ends in. And then the third wide, re- uh, third tight end in also uh, to peel out and, and uh, give Gino an outlet as well helps. Interestingly, in this game, even with four tight ends active uh, and playing, um, they brought in uh, Jake Curran as a yeah, sixth did. offensive lineman, which basically makes puts him at tight end. Um, he just has to report eligible every play. Um, and so they were really playing with five different guys playing they, at a tight end position. They were determined to run the ball. The other thing I noticed too, Keith, um with ken walker too is his determination to run between the tackles and to just really put his nose in there now with you know Mm -hmm. some determination i think before he was just trying to stretch everything out or bounce things outside so i thought he did a lot more to to, um to just kind of grind out some things which is good to see and still had some opportunities that 60 yard run he had was between the tackles just off the the right guard and then he jumped cut that thing outside as soon as he got past the line of scrimmage and he was gone so it's kind of cool. Um, Seattle worked out five players this week, uh, signed uh, cornerback Chris Steele and Connor Weddington to the practice squad wide receiver, Connor Weddington, uh, undrafted rookie free agent out of Stanford in 2021, was on Seattle's practice squad for a, a minute, was released and, and bounced around a little bit, mostly with the 49ers on their practice squad. Um, so those are interesting signings, um, but but that's it. The other guy they worked out I thought was really interesting that they didn't sign was quarterback Carson Strong, uh, the Nevada quarterback, um, undrafted out of the 2022 draft. Thought maybe he would go in the sixth, seventh round, had tons mm-hmm. of passing yards. Not sure why he's bouncing around. He's had several tryouts I've seen with many teams, um, and, and the Eagles signed him you know, right after the draft, but he was released and just really hasn't caught on with anybody since. Yeah. Um, that's, that's it. That's all I've got on, 
on us. I mean, we can talk endlessly about football and about these games, Keith. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about um, that's left with this this Lions Green Bay game? Well, I was just looking. I was kind of. We both know that Seattle's defense has been maligned, and they were just awful for a while. And they got good, and then they were awful again, and then they've been better. Um, and so I started just looking at some at some stats and that kind of stuff. And the Lions, are, you know, technically have you know one of the worst defenses in the league too, even though they're they're both playing better. Um, the Seahawks have given up more rushing yards than the Lions have, but only by twenty out of wow in that game. But the interesting thing is both of them are right around uh, 2,400 yards given up, um, which is a ton of yards uh, on the ground. And that is twice as much as the San Francisco 49ers who have given up 1,260 yards all season on the ground. Wow. I, wow. I just I looked at that. I'm like, that is such an interesting stat to me. Uh, that is just crazy. Um, well, considering that those stats kind of go hand in hand with the offense in, in, in a sense in that when you fall behind in games, your running game goes away. So that points to me that, you know, the, that the Lions are falling behind and then they're just throwing it like crazy. That's, mm-hmm. And Jared Goff's, you know, has 4,000 yards. Geno's got 4,000 yards. It's, it's interesting um, how that works. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of the, yards by Seattle and, and Detroit. Yep. Uh, but they're not the worst two teams in the league. There's two more the uh, both the Houston Texans and the um, Chicago Bears are worse. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> and then looking at, but when you look at passing yards against, um, the Lions are third from the bottom again. They're fourth from the bottom against the rush, they're third from the bottom against the pass. They've given up 3,991 yards um, through the air, uh, which, like I said, is third from the bottom. The Seahawks are right up in the middle, right up in, you know, uh, I think in 16th overall, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of expected it to be worse just given how awful the defense was for so many games. But for to see that their pass defense is average is kind of surprising. If I just had to say without really knowing exactly how it breaks down, I would say that our, our, our passes against us, you know, um, in the long ball, 20 plus yards, explosive plays is, is probably league average. We've got some pretty good corners, but underneath our linebacker and, and safety coverage underneath is pretty weak and, and teams have been throwing it underneath. And that kind of plays into the way Pete Carroll likes to play defense anyway, which is soft underneath and, and not let anything get, get past you. Um, interesting. Yeah. So what do you just, to, just quickly, and we'll, we'll come back for another show anyway on the, the Seahawks Rams, but how are you feeling this week as far as um, Seahawks Rams? I mean, I really haven't spent too much time, honestly, even looking at the matchup yet because, well, obviously, you know, certain things have happened uh, to, to distract us, but uh, how are you feeling as far as just, are we going to win this thing? Are we going to give us a, a chance to, to get this done? I think the Seahawks do have a chance to get this done. I mean, you're the Rams are still without their stars, right? They're they've shut everybody down. They know the season's over. Um, they're running Baker Mayfield out there as their quarterback. And um yeah, I mean, they're just they've they've shut things down. 
uh, the talent level just isn't there. Seattle should be able to, um, to, to handle it. But at the same time, like they're, they've shut down their stars, but the guys that are out there are still playing hard. It's it's a really well-coached team. Um, so you don't want to take them too lightly. Um, but I mean, Seattle should win this, especially now that they've refound their footing offensively. Um, and you're going up against, uh, uh, defense that's been decimated by injuries, no Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. all of that. Seattle should be able to run the ball. They should be able to um, to move the ball, score some points. That shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, and they've been playing better on defense too, even in their losses. You know, the offense mm-hmm. kind of got sidetracked for a while, but I think teams figured them out as far as just being able to shut down that run and um, and and box Geno in a little bit and. Um, with that 13 personnel, I thought that they ran out there, uh, the last couple of weeks with the tight end sets really was the difference actually in, in picking up third down conversions mm-hmm. and, um, and exploiting some, some of the defensive, um, uh, alignments against the Seahawks. Um, because when you're double teaming DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you're going to leave somebody open and often it's the tight ends. And if you're running three out there, somebody's going to be left unopened. And or even so, if they're not left open, you end up with Colby Parkinson, who's six seven, being guarded by a five foot eight cornerback, and that's just easy. Yeah, uh, for Gino, right. um, and right. you saw that a couple times in this game, especially where, in the tight end, you know, uh, um, where he was open for the touchdown. Uh, Gino was so patient on that throw and just threw it to the to the right um, right spot, right person. Mm-hmm. And they and they scored on that, so I'm kind of anxious to see this um, because it, you know, teams that have really good secondaries, especially in the playoffs, you know, if we if we get that far, this gives us another option to be able to keep the the offense flowing, if you know, so they can't really shut down any one aspect, and and the way that um, that Ken's been been running the last couple of weeks, uh, 200 yard games in a row is, is also encouraging especially against the jets i mean the jets were a pretty decent team number four overall in the nfl defending the run um so i thought they did a good job yeah the problem with the jets isn't their defense it's their quarterback um all of them that have played and uh a better quarterback and that's that's a playoff team and they were they were in the playoff like for most of the season and they've faded here at the very end and they're going to miss the playoffs this year but uh, they were in in that conversation all along, so they're, that's not a bad football team. It's not a typical Jets team, right? Because you're used to the Jets being just dysfunctional and terrible, and and this is not them. That they're well coached and everything. So um, I'm actually a little surprised we didn't see the 13 personnel more uh, this year, mm. because mm-hmm. you've had those three tight ends all year. They've um, now Disley is. Um, hurt and he's out Mabry's now the guy there is the blocking tight end um but that still gives you three tight ends um and yeah you should be able like given Fant and I mean when Marquis Goodwin got hurt I think that was the change yeah you know and and then and then um a guy like uh Derek Young just wasn't ready um and um Dwayne Eskridge has been hurt and not, not, not available. And when he has been in, he's just not been effective. And so to me, having uh, Kobe Parkinson, I thought, uh, to your point, should have probably been more instrumental in this offense 
the last four or five weeks. Um, and that, who knows, you know, but th- they made that adjustment and, and I'm glad they're, they're doing it now. Um, because if they are going to be in the playoffs, they got to give themselves a chance. You don't want to get completely embarrassed. I think this does having that running game, the three tight ends gives them a chance and the defense seems to be improved. I'm a little worried about Jordan Brooks being out there just because our, our situation at linebacker was weak to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just have to see how it goes, you know, on the defensive side, especially at, at safety and linebacker, what they do there to solve that um, deficiency in talent um, will be interesting to me. Probably yeah. just go with a different, uh, with a, with a additional defensive back in some capacity, I would think probably solves that. Yeah. But you still have Cody Parton in there as the mm-hmm. linebacker in the middle instead of Jordan Brooks. And, but and, you know, Cody Barton did look good against, um, you know, in this last game against the Jets, but it's just one game. It is one game. And, I mean, Jordan Brooks is a special player. There's a reason why he's all, why every year that he's been here, he's been, you know, in the mm-hmm. top five in the NFL in tackles. Now We've been a little year, hard on him this year. This year he hasn't done as good a job of getting up and making those tackles at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage, but he's also getting blocked a lot, and he's not getting any help from – uh, up in front of him, but he's still fighting through blocks and making tackles. They just happen to be a little further downfield than we'd like. Yes. Um, yes. Cody Barton has had times where he can't make a tackle because he misses. Cody tackles. Barton's looked better the last four or five weeks. I think that, that that he's turned the corner a little bit as far as because I haven't seen him wildly being out of position. I think that he's he's actually been uh, quite a quite a bit better um, in coverage and against in tackling. Um, not missing tackles and so forth the last four or five weeks. So we'll see again, you know, and, and Ryan Neal's out. So you've got Abram. Um, oh, oh, God, I just lost his name. Jonathan Abram. Abrams. Yeah. Um, come in and, and play uh, likely to again to start this week. He's mm-hmm. not a bad player. Uh, obviously we saw his stone hands last week when he had an opportunity to catch the ball, but a uh, decent tackler and a physical player. So, uh, essentially, yeah, but he, you know, taking he was also someone they, he, someone they brought in off the street mid season. Um, yeah, but he was a former first round pick. I mean, it's not, he's not horrible. He's just so bad in coverage. Safe. Teams have given up on him. He's a safety who can't cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it, I was li- part two. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but you have, um, it's interesting to me because he is in there playing. He's, I think it's more because he's the veteran and he's seen some things and they they like that. But he wasn't the first choice to be the guy that um, that is in for Ryan Neal. Tease Tabor was the guy who got the snaps initially. Um, and then they've sort of worked uh, Abrams in um, in order to you know, get yes. him more snaps and all of that. And he's kind of taken over. Uh, but it he is interesting to learn that, the defense a little bit. It, it is interesting that, that T's Tabor was the guy that was getting the snaps initially. Well, they went with the guy that was on the team for, for, <laughs> for a minute there. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I think we can wrap this show up. The, the big takeaway for me is we've got to take care of our own business. And then we have to worry about Detroit's business, you know, uh, the Seahawks have to win. That's the common denominator. If the Seahawks don't win, we're out. Um, if we win, then everyone's going to be watching that Detroit Green Bay game 
after the Seahawks game. I mean, there's probably <laughs> there's probably going to be just as many Seahawks fans watching that game uh, as Detroit and Green Bay because that's that's the game that yep. that is going to dictate whether Honestly, or not we get in. I'm going to be rooting for Detroit no matter what happens to Seattle. Uh, absolutely, me too. Because um, even if Seattle loses, I want They've Detroit. Got a shot. I want that if if Seattle loses, then then Detroit can make the playoffs if they win yeah. that game. And that franchise, especially the fans of that franchise, have just been uh, they've just been abused. And they yeah, deserve- if Seattle loses and Detroit wins, they're in. Yeah, Green Bay's out. There, it's it's the Detroit, it's Detroit, Seattle, or Green Bay. Um, Those are the only the three options. Yep. Spot and and if Seattle loses and and Detroit wins, they're in. Yep, that would be. I mean, I would be my favorite team in the playoffs if we don't have to face them. Well, obviously, we're not going to face them this year. But you know, the, I like Dan Campbell in that uh, what he said about the TV thing and and the timing of the the scheduling on the game. Um, I believe him actually. I think that that he's a he's a coach that's going to get his team ready to play no matter what. And even if Seattle wins, he's going to go in and take advantage of the opportunity to play a significant game, possibly a spoiler against mm-hmm. Green Bay in his own division. I think that's more important to him than anything else. He's got a really young team. He's got a really young team. And he was talking about um the need to have these guys play in big games. And this is a big game. This is a playoff game. Yes. Uh for them. And it's huge for their development as a team. And I do expect them to come out and and look ready and and whatever even if Seattle wins and they've been eliminated. Um in part cuz when they were terrible a year ago uh, and losing game after game after game after game. They fought hard. They still continued to play hard and fight hard. And when they did finally win a game, you know, the quarterback, the guy who caught the ball at the end of the thing, were both running to their coach to give their like to, to give their coach the big hug and all of that stuff because that's the kind of person Dan Campbell is and why he's done such a good job there in Detroit. So. Um, I think they're going to do well. I'm rooting for them. I want them to win, even if Seattle, even if it doesn't matter for Seattle. I still want Detroit to win because anytime you can watch um, Rogers pout, oh, it's a better day. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't like Green Bay. I mean, I've got some friends that are Green Bay Packer friends. I just don't like Green Bay because they're good. They're a good team. They've played good. Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. Has played well in meaningful games. Um, and, and it's just one of those things, but you just don't, there's certain personalities, certain team personalities and so forth that you just don't like, uh, in the NFL and, and, and they're one of them. Um, okay. So we'll come back, uh, later this week and we're going to have a show, uh, previewing the, um, Seattle Rams game, um, properly, (laughs) not just loosey goosey like we did tonight. So um, you can find Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. You can find me at NWCHawk. You know where the show is at. And when you find it, make sure you hit the subscribe button, whether that's on your podcast platform or YouTube. We've got our own YouTube channel. And uh, that'd be great. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter 
Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.